Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched... We watched... Bill, Bill and, and Ted. Ted. And Bill and Ted. And Bill and Ted. <laughs> and Bill and Ted. Yeah. So we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Is that the name of the first one? Yes. And then we watched Bill and Ted face the music. So we did skip Bogus Journey, but for the podcast, I mean, it feels I more... It. Imp- you watched it yeah. in this process? I did. Oh, So okay. like I... I watched that in the process because I felt like it was important, but we're not going to really discuss that one. Yeah, because I feel like Face the Music is more of what the podcast is about, where it's like reviving this old property in a way to fuel the nostalgia fire that is new spectators on this this on the story. Right. So, yeah, yeah. it just it just felt more <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm still trying to caffeinate myself. I am (laughs) asleep. It felt right. We did the first and the third one. Go watch the second one on your own. Bonus round extra credit. Yeah. So I, before I knew that we were going to do this, like a couple of weeks ago, I watched the first two, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. And I had a great time with both of those. And I was just like, Man, this is, I mean, I have a lot to say on the representation of women, but overall, this was another set of films that was delightful to watch right now in 2020 and COVID in all of the horrible things. Uh, it was a nice break and it was really nice to be reminded of friendship and what that looks like and yeah. being so like open and honest and yes and, and like just, fucking like really being there for somebody and like being on that same wavelength where you're talking at the same time and that was so delightful and it filled me with so much so much joy yeah it was it's a very fun story i mean the first one's just a very fun i'd never seen it before so this is my first time i'd only seen the second one but bill and ted it's it's a i mean it's just fun it's very silly like I do have some notes just on general critique, but overall, it's like, it's just a silly story with some messy shit, but it's fun. It's a fun adventure. It's like, it's like a ride at Universal Studios, right? Like you go into each room and then you're like on this thing and then the payoff is them saving the world and you're like, oh, wow, we did it. And then you buy a shirt on the way out. It's what it feels like to me. Oh, I felt a lot deeper than that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, I... To me, it wasn't very deep. To me, it was just very surface fun, silliness. I think um, I watched this a long time ago, and then I watched this a couple of weeks ago, and I watched it again today. And I just, I remember, like, maybe it's because it wasn't my first watch. Like, so being able to watch this and be like, I just, I love what this is saying about friendship and about being there and about like, and just like, I was here for all of the ridiculousness that all of the, just like, take me out of whatever world I'm in and transport me here. And I think it did a lot of really great subtle things. Well, we'll get into all of it, but I, I, yeah. um, Yeah. I really liked it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I'm excited to talk about it. Should we just jump in? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
We begin our most excellent adventure in 1988 San Dimas, California, where our dudes, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, have to pass history class or be sent to military school. While asking strangers for history facts at the Circle K, Rufus, a dude from the future, tells them they are destined to save the world with their music. They just need to ace this history report. Then he gives them a time-traveling telephone box, not the TARDIS, to help them with their quest for knowledge. Bill and Ted subsequently travel across time, meeting and collecting famous historical figures for their presentation, and take them back to San Dimas 1988. Talk about a culture shock. Bill and Ted take everyone to the mall while trying to hunt down Napoleon at the local water park. In their absence, Billy the Kid, Socrates, Abraham Lincoln, Beethoven, Joan of Arc, Sigmund Freud, and Genghis Khan all get arrested for being too extra. Bill and Ted break them out of jail with the help of Bill's mom, Missy, and they present a most excellent oral report which earns them an A+, and a couple of princess girlfriends. Party on, dudes! Party on, dudes! Hell yeah. Man, we really need to, like, work on our, like, being able to talk at the same time. That was something that, like, watching this movie, like, they are just so fucking on that same wavelength. And, like, even to the point to where when they play guitar, mostly in, like, the the third one, but, like, they're playing the exact same thing, just, like, an octave higher at the exact same time. And, like, it's very, very cute. (laughs) They're Iron Maidening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Where they do that dual guitar solo. Um, oh, I first want to start off by saying Keanu Reeves's network, um, overall, this is just like a blanket statement. Um, what a lot of neck he, cause like with that, I don't know if it was a wig, it might've been his hair. It's a wig in the second one. That is an, a, a bad wig. But the first one, I think that was just his hair. Anyways, I feel like every time he walks, he just like, he's like shake. He's like, it's always like a turn or a bob or like a whenever he walks, it's just like back and forth. So silly, so cartoonish. I loved every second of it. His <laughs> neck put in the work in this movie. He also like from what I was reading, like he was like, no, my hair, my hair has to be. So he was like trying to make it big, like the more cartoony this character was, the better it was for him. And he he like yeah. really leaned into that. So he would be like, no, 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 hold on. And he had to like make his hair all like big and like wild so like that was a part of it and it's like so fun because he like leads with his neck and his shoulders right and that was something not to get into the second one but like or the third one but like the people that play their daughters they ended up studying those movements so precisely like so when you look at Thea and you look at Billy they really inhabit so many of those mannerisms it's uh, yeah it's really cool <laughs> so where do you want to start with this? I really only have one big surface thing, which is them using the F slur. Um, yeah. In, a, in what felt like, <laughs> to me, like watching it, I was like, this is so great and they're so cool. And then that came out of nowhere. And I was like, this, who wrote that? Like, get it. This is so out of character for these guys. Like, you're establishing their friendship. Like, I mean, I guess people use that word a ton straight people did i mean i grew up hearing it so much and in the 90s i'm sure it was even worse and before that even worse. you know what i mean but it was just so out of place 
And it felt like you could have yeah. just, it was for no reason, literally. They could have hugged next scene. It's like, could have hugged, oh, no, what did they say? Like, not a fag, not a, what is like, I don't know. It was just, it was also a clunky line reading of it. It was like a clunky line in a bad place with just a bat, like a silly word, like y'all. And didn't it come after like one of them thought that they were dead? Like in, this is a yes. like, medieval place, right? So like one of them thought that they, the other one was dead and was just so sad. And then he comes out and he's like, it's cool, dude. Like I'm fine. And then they like and- give each other a hug because they they just... They love each other so much, and I feel like I feel like that had to have been like a studio thing where it's like we can't even like you know one of those things just to say like no a hundred percent no, and that was it, yeah it felt gross and it felt messy and that was like that's really like the one part where I really had to like be like oof and like take <laughs> a step know. back and just be like if it weren't it- if they deleted that line like they could just take it out and you wouldn't even know right. You wouldn't like, even know it. It's so it it is so unimperative. It is the most like it's also so out of place. Like they hug and then it's they say it and they like stand there awkwardly and then it clunks itself into the next scene. It being there, not only just the word itself, but like the staging, the the whole performance of it is such an impediment to the flow of the story that I was like, this oh, like and again, you're you're totally right. It feels very much just like their love for each other is incredibly obvious. This very platonic, trusting, loving, like brothers. Like they love each other so much. They get each other in a way that literally nobody else does. We see that. They did a really good job in communicating that with us, the viewer. We know this. They know this. We all know this. So that line as just a definitive way to just be like, they're not gay. Don't worry. Like they will not kiss. They're not gay. They don't have gay thoughts. They're not gay. They're not gay. They're not gay. It just felt like somebody else threw that in there. That seems, it's just, it's so out of world, out of character. Again, they're two teenage straight boys in the 90s. But at the same time, I've seen nothing but kindness and goodness from these two people. So for this like really gross moment to happen, it was just like, it was out of character. It was out of place. And I was like, what? And apparently both actors have said like, we really regret that. Because they say it in the second one too, I think. They do, yeah. They do, yeah. And both actors apparently have, regretted it and even at the time had said it felt it felt wrong it felt incorrect it didn't Mm -hmm. it didn't feel of character of world so yeah i think that's the only big big clunker i have (laughs) with this movie you're right like it does feel just so completely out of place because of the absolute love that these two people have for each other and like you said like it's clear that it's very platonic and it's very like brotherly or just very close and like to the point to where like they're always looking out for each other literally like when he tells them oh hold on there's some shit in your way right and he's like oh thanks dude right like and they're they never take offense to anything that the other says like they kind of like if it seems weird they kind of like stop and like think for a second and then they're like oh okay like they they think about the intent that this person has when they're talking to them because there's so much love and trust there yeah and i think that that's something we're not going into the second one but that's something like the reason why they kind of fall for the robot trick right like from the future is because they're just like yeah oh yeah okay you know um so like part of what is so great about them is just their willingness to trust each other and trust other people you know like they really do live that their mantra where they just be excellent to each other they're excellent to literally everybody that they meet and we see that 
that type of like, you know, like, hey, dude, hey, what's going on? Hey, let's go. Right. And just like being there for each other influences all of the the figures that they collect. Right. Maybe yeah. other than Napoleon, because he doesn't spend a lot of time with them. Right. But like <laughs> everybody else, especially like I'm thinking of Billy the Kid and like uh, Socrates. Right. But so like crates. they they start saying dude and they like they're just kind of there for each other and they're very just like cool this is what we're doing now we're gonna be here and they just have that level of trust so like the way that they carry themselves and present themselves in the world they're not harming anybody and they're also making sure that they're not i don't know like just them being great people helps influence other people to be better people like even questionable tyrants like genghis khan yeah yeah Kindness. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the the biggest characteristic that they both have. I mean, the biggest two are kindness and empathy. They both not only connect with each other in this way where they get each other, like you had explained, but also with every other character. It's never, there's never this assumptive thing. They always like, no matter what even time they're in, which I mean, adds to the humor of like their lackadaisical aspect to being in what is considered the wild west in this movie or being in all of these dangerous positions and they're just kind of like oh yeah let me get a beer or like oh i'll just walk <laughs> in here and just say whatever or what you know what i mean there's like the the cartoonish sort of childish ignorance that they carry with themselves that just amplifies that kind of kindness and empathy there's never an assumed anything about any character with the princesses with billy the kid with socrates it's always like oh, I've heard of you. Let's talk and maybe talk about stuff. Who knows who you are? Like, tell me about yourself. You know what I mean? It's just, they're they're good. They're good people. It feels like they're so willing to challenge their perspective. Like, if something, like, doesn't compute or something seems different rather than be like, no, no, no. They're like, they take that second to stop, think and be like, oh, okay, and immediately change their perspective. And that carries yeah. through, I think, through all of these. There's never a point where... Yeah. They're like, no, that's not how it is. It's like, oh. So their their ability to do that is really great, I think. And something else that is really, really subtle is Bill and Ted are actually really smart. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. they, sure, they, they do become wiser throughout the whole thing. Like, you know, in the sense that maybe at the beginning, they forget to wind the watch. They forget to do all these things, right? But then at the end, like, think about all the stuff they had to go back and do. They had to go back and grab the keys and put them in the thing and remember to go and grab these and put this here and remember to go and yeah. grab this, like, after the fact for all of this, right? They're also the ones, um, the writer, he said that he regrets not showing, like, that the lights were actually Bill and Ted, in that last performance so they like they went back and they did all the lights and they did all the things they like so oh. all of the things that we see that go their way are because bill and ted went back and made sure to be there and do these things and make all of these things happen so to remember all of that right because like these characters are being portrayed as kind of like you know not the smartest people maybe you know like you're supposed to think they're a little bit dumb and yeah. But to see that they remember to do all this stuff, they're also really smart about like, oh, I need to grab the keys. Let's do this, you know? And they're like yeah. leaving themselves little notes too, being like, hey, Bill and Ted, you guys are great. Also duck, you know? Yeah, um, I love that. I love that scene in the I, police station. Yeah. And doing that and then also like knowing where to find all these people, right? Like they, they're like, oh, oh yeah, Billy the Kid, blah, blah, blah. Like... You know, in the beginning, they say Joan of Arc was Noah's wife, right? Uh, yes. 
towards the end, like rather than having Abraham Lincoln or having, I mean, Abraham Lincoln gave his own speech, but like, you know, they talk about like, this is who Socrates is and this is what he does. And then this is Genghis Khan and this is what he did. And so they're like, through their journey, it like implies that they're also taking the time to get to know these characters. And I really loved that they were going straight to the source. And we all know that like history is written by the victor and it's selective and it's maybe not accurate, right? So rather than just like picking up a book, like there's different ways that everybody learns, right? Not everybody learns from reading a book. Some people are audible learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people are this, right? So rather than, you know, so book learning is not for them. They want to go and they're going to go straight to the source to meet these people and get their stories firsthand. And rather than reading about them in a book. How fucking cool is that? I thought that was really cool, too. I mean, it's cool just in the sense of establishing an adventure story. Because, I mean, it's just a cool concept to be like, we're going to go throughout time. It's like Magic School Bus, but make it Surfer, make it California. You know what I mean? Like, it's (laughs) like make it goofy high school. Yeah, I think there was a level of like (laughs) the lack of struggle they had in each of these time periods to me was very funny. (laughs) <laughs> like it was it was so easy for them to coax these these historic figures who see them are they're strangers completely like Socrates they do not speak Greek like they're not speaking right. even close to the same language he's like us sand time and then Socrates says that funny and so through the hourglass so are the day, days of our lives <laughs> there it is um he does that days of our lives quote which is like oh very funny and like we love but in every point in time they get these people to come with them with with such ease, which mm-hmm. you could argue is is just their general kindness and whimsy and like energy, like tr- very trustworthy energy that they both kind of carry with them because they they they're not deceitful, they're not bad, they're like, and we'll get into it in the second one, but like even in the second one when they try to lie to their past selves, they do a terrible job. They can't lie. They're not good at lying. They're yeah. not good at deceiving people. Like even with their wives, like it's so that. But again, that's a whole. I want to get into that then, but. Um, I just thought it was very funny that like, it's just like, oh, just come with us and (laughs) come speak at our high school. What's a high school? We'll show you. Like that wasn't a line in there, but I feel like that's like a, that's, that could be a scene. Like what? I don't know. It just, that to me, again, just adds to the silliness of it. It's not a negative. It's not like a, like, well, this is a plot hole and like they're time traveling in a, phone booth to like it's it's obviously a silly funny (laughs) adventure movie um but i just i thought it was charming and also very silly with the ease with which they got these historical figures to come with them and i also love napoleon's entire separate adventure with his little brother so amazing it was was very fun (laughs) like them bowling and him speaking like all of this very governing astute french you're like oh stop like it's it's like you need to stop and sit down he's like oh okay like whatever them trying to ditch him at the bowling alley also this wasn't like oh my gosh if i would have saw this when i was a kid this would be definitely one of those movies that was a bit of a sexual awakening not because i had a crush on napoleon the actor who played napoleon but when he's at the water park he very clearly is not wearing underwear (laughs) is he wearing a jockstrap uh yeah you can see like a little you can see a little g-string yeah, because you see full butt, full butt cheeks oh, yeah. under that, and there's a couple <laughs> moments where like it it does look like jock straps, so you're seeing butt, but there's a couple other ones where it's like he gets up and it's like the front, 
and it's I don't think he's wearing anything. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, if I was like a young gay watching this, I they, it would have imprinted in my mind as a very seminal, <laughs> very specific moment to be like, remember this. <laughs> remember Napoleon. <laughs> remember Napoleon. It's so silly. But I digress. I liked it a lot. I love what a baby he was too. Like, and I, I mm-hmm. love uh, taking a lot of these leaders out of their time where they are, they are in charge and nobody gives a shit and they're just a kind of a joke, you know? And so like yeah, oh, Napoleon yeah. being like, you know, like this is my ice cream, like doing the like, Tah! and then they like, they're like piggy piggy. And he's like, whatever. Like, I like this. And like his passion for and also like all of them, their acceptance of the future and of how things work, not being like, no, this is not how this is. Blah, 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 right. You know, yeah. but their intellect where they're able to be dropped in a world that is unlike anything that they've ever seen before and yeah. go with it and like actually allow themselves to experience it rather than just being afraid, just being courageous in like in these small things of like, what's an escalator? What is this treat, you know? So I think that's also um, a testament to these leaders, right? Yeah, the culture shock moments were probably my favorite part. Again, it's the characters interacting in a world. It's it's very yes and is it believable? Obviously, this story is so it's like it's a wacky story. So we're not going to be like, <laughs> I don't think Napoleon Bonaparte would have eaten that ice cream. Or, I mean, we'll get into the Joan of Arc thing because I do think there's something to be said for that. However, overall, it's very fun and whimsical. So them investigating this future they're so unfamiliar with was very fun. It was just very silly, and you're seeing like. Beethoven coming into the music store and then playing on like a Casio or whatever was just so silly (laughs) and fun. And I was like, this is cool. And he's just like jamming out on the Casio and there's people watching him. Also, the fact that he gets arrested for being a good musician was so silly. Like everyone else is causing some kind of debauchery or like being disruptive. And to some degree, I can see uh, shitty mall cops having a problem with that. But Beethoven was just putting on a concert. And everyone was like stoked on it. And I guess the music store guy called them because it's like he's causing a scene. It's like, you would love if you had a crowd outside of your store. Shut up. Let him play. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He's doing a great job. (laughs) I also want to talk about how I love that the way that Bill and Ted talks never changes. So like, you know, the way that they talk and the way that they carry themselves It's supposed to be like dumb surfer, you know, we're not supposed to take them seriously. But like, I love that they they go that extra mile to make sure that like at the very end, especially they are the ones that are giving the presentation. And they're like, and this dude, blah, 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 blah. But they're not changing the way that they talk or the way that they speak to be more academic. They're still doing it in their own way and i love that they didn't have to in this moment go back and be very proper in how they talked and then suddenly they're talking less like bill and ted and more like academics or anything like that they're just kind of like yeah and then this dude did this and these dudes were righteous or whatever it is that they're saying but like but that that wasn't played as a part to like make them seem silly. So they were still allowed to be smart and still be themselves. Yeah. So I really loved that. And I think that there is something to that where it's like, you don't have to be an academic to be smart or to understand things or 
I think much more people like it's going to stick more if somebody says like, yo, and then this dude went and did this and it sucked or like, you know, just like talking like normal as opposed to being like, and then henceforth, they went and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like because- that, that like snootiness, you know, it feels more more accessible. Because there's, I mean, there's obviously a level of gatekeeping and sort of like performative classism that comes from performing that kind of rigidity of, I guess, educative speak or whatever, like, like more what we consider bigger quotes professional, which again, professional is such a loaded word (laughs) in so many ways, because what the (laughs) fuck, like, shut up, that means nothing. And it's just a way to gatekeep and keep people out. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, by restricting the sort of organic way at which people feel comfortable expressing ideas, you're limiting the ideas themselves because they're not going to be presented or come across in a way that feels natural or real. But then again, there is a level of like cohesion and structure that comes with like spending time formulating said idea, whatever it's, yeah, it's a whole thing. But I do think that a lot of that comes directly from gatekeeping and a complete a monopoly of accessibility to not only education but to wealth. Yeah, I absolutely yeah, think so. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Yeah, so- but you're to- you're you're totally right in that last scene though. It's like they were allowed and again, this is just echoing what we said earlier about them being authentic in every way. Their 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 kindness, their empathy, their all of it is coming across in such an organic, such a very natural way. So seeing them on stage giving this oral presentation where they're espousing the knowledge that the teacher wanted them to. But in this way, that's not necessarily the most eloquent or most expected out of giving a lecture or what would be considered a lecture or teachable dialect or whatever. But they're doing it in a really, in their way. And it it works just fine. And it's great. And they're not changing to accommodate or adhere to what's expected because they're showing and proving through their knowledge, through their growth, through what they've learned in this process that they know these things and that's good enough. And also everybody's really engaged with that. Like through them being able to tell these stories or or talk about this and present it using the language that they normally use and just being who they are, it made it more engaging. Also, I think like if I was in that audience, I would never, ever, ever forget that, you know, or anything that they said. So I think that that's also like removes the barrier to entry for that. And yeah, I, I thought that that was really, really cool. I also, um, okay, so the, the film was originally supposed to end very differently than how it ended. So that whole ending scene was not supposed to be super big and grand and everything. They were literally just supposed to go back to the same classroom. And just instead of Bill and Ted telling these stories, it was going to be Abraham Lincoln giving his speech and Genghis Khan talking about himself, but it wasn't going to come directly from Bill and Ted. And so it was going to be much more played down. And the finale was going to be prom where the princesses showed up and Rufus. So I'm very glad that they didn't do that because that seems very cheap. And another way to fucking glorify prom, which prom sucked, y'all. Prom is like... Not great. (laughs) You know? Proms, I don't know. I'm glad that this wasn't a movie that did that. (laughs) I think that this was a much better ending. Yeah, because I mean, this ending just added to the frivolity and the bigness and silliness of this. Like, they treated it like an Apple unveiling 
thing where they come out and they're like spotlights and who else was in history sigmund freud and then he comes out and he's like whoa i didn't know i had so many issues with my dad or whatever and then it's just like it was it was a boat show it was a boat show of historic figures very big very silly and very on brand for the general story i think you're right if they had gone back to the classroom it would have been like okay like oh that's it (laughs) so the princess (laughs) story that we got for like 10 minutes is more important than the entire narrative arc of them traveling through time to pass this test you know Yeah. yeah you're totally right it's i'm happy that this is the version instead of that and I also think that it was really cool that they didn't lean on a lot of like those weird high school tropes where it's like, because they were going to end at the prom and then they were also going to do that that weird thing where they show Bill and Ted like being like the nerds that nobody likes and everybody makes fun of. So they were going to show like the people at their school making fun of them and stuff like that. And I'm glad that like, because this is such a kind movie, I'm glad that they didn't do that. And I think because they chose not to do that, that's part of the reason that Bill and Ted are who they are to a lot of people, you know, because yeah, because the way that other characters react to to characters changes your perception of them, too. And I think by not going to like shitty high school tropes and not allowing that to take up that narrative that just centered the story more on kindness. Oh, with, without a doubt. Yeah, because I think with the bullying perspective. If you were to treat them less than other characters would treat them less than in the story, it takes away from the power that they exude standing away from characters like that. Like they're not having to compensate or explain why they have this kindness, why they have this, why they are who they are. They just are. And that adds to the I believe you. Yeah. Take me on this journey. Like I like you. I like these characters. I want to know more. Um. Can we talk about women? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And how they are in this story only to be objectified. <laughs> yes. Do you want to start with the princesses or Joan of Arc? Um, I kind of want to start with Missy, actually. Oh, yeah. What a... Okay, so this was such a weird dynamic thing. So... <laughs> Missy, let's get this straight, is a recent high school graduate who marries Bill's dad. In the next film, she divorces that dad and marries the other dad. And like the whole thing about her is she's just there to be desired, to be objectified and to be a joke because everybody wants to bone her. Right. Like even like Billy the Kid and Socrates. And uh, she's like, oh, history teacher. Tell him I said hi. Right. And yeah. like to me, she's not that's a person. Just, yeah, she's not a person. Also, she's. I mean, maybe she's she has to be of age now because she's has to be 18 to get married or whatever. Right. But like that also means that these people were lusting after her when she was underage. And it presumes that the history teacher had a relationship with her or or a sexual desire for her when she was underage. So I didn't really like that. I didn't appreciate that. Also, like the way that the camera lingers on her and shows the male gaze. And then like even with when Freud is there, like. Bill says that he has like an Oedipus complex or whatever because like he wants to bone his mom because he asked her to the prom or whatever. And, yeah. Or I'm sorry, stepmom. But also the whole time it feels like she's just not only there to be looked at and like the dad bones her in his son's room, okay, right? So Which that is was fucking that gross. Was, that was the grossest. Like that. That was also another moment that felt very out of place. Like the kids leave the room and then he shuts the door. And the implication is that his dad is going to have sex with 
his stepmom who is like two years older than him. That felt um, very in his son's room. Yeah, that felt very alpha alpha to me. Yeah, like in the same way that the other dad is also kind of alpha, but like in like a way that isn't so overt where it's like, you're going to military school. It's like, look, I got the girl that you wanted and now I'm going to bone her in your bed and you're in my house, you know? Well, what kind of would have been an interesting take if they were to have added the bullies back in here is that these two guys are surrounded by nothing but toxic male existence, toxic masculinity at every Mm -hmm. point. His dad, who's a fucking cop, who's like this super control freak who's like you better do this or this is that and blah 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 and he's just like a piece of shit and then this other dad who's like literally like they're in the room he's staring at her butt while they're talking i'm just like this like super pervy objectifying asshole and also like the fucking her in his son's room like gross and bad and like what the fuck it would have been interesting to see because then you're having these three different very specific character groups if there was like a main bully of like mm-hmm. these two guys who are just trying to like exist and be good and kind and whatever confronting all of this toxic masculinity because to me if you had all of those examples that would make like for a bigger better story about toxic masculinity being a generalized evil and that like kindness can overcome certain elements of that and it would also to me give more credence to when they say the f word in that other scene because yeah. then it's out of character yes but say the bully called them that in an earlier scene then it's a callback then it's obviously like they're trying to perform this kind of thing that they feel like they should be because every man in their life is that thing mm-hmm. and in this one moment it feels so wrong and it intentionally feels wrong because that's not who they are they're not the person yeah. who says that. They're not these they're not these bad men in their lives. You know what I mean? That would have been mm-hmm. so cool. But even That's really still interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even still you I feel like you could still argue that with their dads being pieces of shit. Like they the, I mean they're the main male figures that they have to look to are bad examples of what it is to not just be male or like not even to get into the weird bigendered existence of heteronormativity, but just being a good person like they're bad examples of good people they're not good people mm-hmm. you know well know. and then yeah like i think that also is a testament to bill and ted's character where they have these fucking horrible monsters of dads right and like they still like they don't subscribe to that like regardless of what happens regardless they're still who they are and they are grounded in and take more um and are shaped more by their friendship with one another than they are by their fathers, right? Or by these patriarchal, toxic masculinity people that live at their house. But yeah, so I think that's even more a testament to them and who they who they really are, and also the importance of of friendship, especially when you come from a household like that. And I think that also is part of the reason why they are so close is because they they had to be in order to survive in order to be who they are because they are not safe at home right they are not like they only truly have each other and so they've always had to connect on this deeper level where ted you know we see his dad is talking to him with a gun on his side telling him you're gonna go to military school boy i don't care what you do i don't you're gonna fucking go because you failed and he's like but i didn't feel that and he's like yes you did right so you can only imagine like the type of abuse that he himself has dealt with right and who was there yeah. to keep him 
safe. Clearly not mom. Clearly not, you know, he probably drove mom away, right? So, like, yeah. it was always Bill. It was always that. And so when you share that kind of deep trauma or those types of experiences with other people that you're really close to, it does make you very close. That's a really good point. That makes sense. That kind of validates some other things. But it's absolutely true. These Analyzing these two parents is just... I mean, it, it makes sense why they are who they are. Um, I want to go back to Missy just for a minute because I feel like in throughout all of the movies, uh, especially this one, she's just because she's still a young woman. She's like 18, right? 18 or 19. I think she's 18. But like she doesn't yet know what to do or how to be who she is or like how to exist as a woman, as a wife, as now a mother of somebody that is like two years younger than her. So like she's just going through the motions of what she thinks a mom is supposed to do. So she's like gardening or she's, I'll give you a ride, sweetheart, and makes him call her mom, you know, to try to, uh, I think that's also trying to make her feel like she's older right like she is uh, a woman now and then doing things like do you guys want some sandwiches do you want this you need to do your chores so like she's like a, a copy of like the mother from freaky friday or something that is just kind of like doing yeah. all of this you know well i also like to add on to that i feel like she's trying to perform something that's expected of her. So in this case, it's motherhood. Yeah. It's it's accepting that role. So she's performing motherhood. But I'm assuming that's influenced by the way his dad uses language and sees her. So I'm sure, and this very clearly is predatory language, but I'm sure he's told her on many occasions that she has an old soul, right? Mm -hmm. So language that is imbuing the young partner to feel older than they are or to justify the sort of predatory behavior of the dad in this way. And because of that, internalizing that, I mean, like, I have an also, yeah, I am, I wish I wasn't my age. Like, I'm older, I'm I'm gonna do this. And like, going into the role of performing motherhood, it's all, it feels just, um, it feels like manipulative fodder and predatory behavior. And it feels, it like, unfortunately, it sucks because she has seen nothing as just a token sexual object. But outside of that, like, it, I just feel bad in for her. In every movie. I, and that's even oh, in and even like, the new the, one. Yeah. Even in the new one, we start with Missy as like the callback and like, haha, remember that. And so like literally throughout this entire story, like she is just the joke is she has a new husband every time and it's gonna be the dad of this person or the dad of this person or now his son. And so it's just yeah. really weird and gross and I think Missy deserved a lot better. Just like Joan of Arc. Are we on a city tour of a major city on those <gasps> bipedal scooters? Because that Ooh. was a segue. <laughs> it was. All right. So, Joan of Arc. <laughs> Let me just run that into the ground real quick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start with Joan of Arc. And Ted is asked, like, who is Joan of Arc? And he's like, uh, Noah's wife. And I was like, okay, like, Cool. <laughs> then we get Joan of Arc and I'm like, all right, cool, right? We're doing so much work on Napoleon and on Socrates and on Billy the Kid. Then her whole thing is everybody else in this gets a moment to shine or a moment to be who they are, right? And in the mall specifically, everybody is like going to what they are known for, right? Or or what makes sense with them as this historical figure. And Joan of Arc gets to 
go do jazzercise. Like, yeah. that is what she goes to. She goes, like, by the time she was 17, she did so fucking much. And instead of focusing on any of those things, we're just going to focus on the fact that she's the token woman in this group and not spend any time on her at all, but just be like, oh, look, she's in a jazzercise thing. And now she, like, pushed the other woman out, which I don't think she would just to like dance on stage herself like that whole thing felt out of character and it felt very gross and it felt very (sighs) it felt very infuriating it was gross because it's very much a male perspective of being like oh well she's she's just a girl so let her go do girl stuff like yeah sure she did all this stuff in her historical past but she didn't just have time to be a girl and it's like shut the fuck up like sure but get like it's just such a weak not just understanding but it's just like it's just a it's silly because in these moments where all these other figures are playing with like you were saying the thing that they were known for to some capacity so like Genghis Khan was violent Beethoven is a musician you're seeing these people playing with the thing that they're known for within the mall what is she known for she's known for intelligence conquering uh leadership fighting okay she's gonna she's gonna lead a feminine jazzercise malt like shut let's stop it like get out of here look easy let's workshop it what else could she have done because technically she is young she could have gone to an area that was like a kitty area but by the end of it she's like leading them in a protest or something or like she builds Hell a big yeah. ship with them Hell and then yeah. they're all just like yeah and then maybe a kid goes to his parents and being like i won't stand for that or something and they're like oh no don't like you know what i mean so easy it's so easy to hit a couple different ideas instead of she's takes place in a jazzercise and enjoy like I, no but they I just, they it's really bad Instead of getting on that, they decided that they were going to focus on Socrates and Billy the Kid trying to pick up on these girls and then having Freud, having Freud come over with his fucking corn dog. And it's up when he goes to talk to them and he's like, Hey, ladies, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you're weird. And then he holds it down, symbolic of his dick. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's such boring gags. Like, such boring boring and like these are the moments that like oh it was written in four days yeah it was written in four days like these guys are like what's a funny joke i don't know uh yeah they're in a corner what's in a mall corn dog great and then they go to the girl and she's like i won't have sex with you and then he drops the corn dog because get it his dick fell off like (laughs) okay let's punch that up no like you guys okay that's fine that's fine i guess we're just gonna go with that idea (laughs) there was this wild Thing that I read online from a Wired a wi- article. How a wild this, stallion. A wild stallion. Um, it was talking about how this movie, like viewing it now, is kind of about the internet and about how like looking at it through that lens of like the telephone booth oh. like is, you know, and they're going through all these wires and time and all that stuff and they're finding information on historical figures or on this and they're able to lead their own uh, informative historical journey or whatever, right? Which I think is fucking great. And then you can get, like, there's so many, like, little theories that you can go down into where it's like, and then Keanu Reeves becomes Neo and he uses the telephone again to go in and out of these worlds. And so it's foreshadowing who he becomes in. And, like, I am so here for all of that because it's just so fun. But um, 
uh yeah i really i really liked uh thinking about this as like as a precursor to because like the internet was around but it wasn't you know widely available certainly uh high school kids didn't have access and stuff like that but i i like this as like a precursor to that i i thought that that was kind of fun (laughs) cut to somebody sifting through the Wachowski sisters notes on the last page. It says Bill and Ted, but green. That's their pitch (laughs) for the matrix. (laughs) Bill and Ted, but just green all the time, which is, I mean, the matrix is fantastic. It's a great movie, but you're totally right. What a, what an interesting, um, I get, yeah, I, I didn't read that, but now that you say that it's very clearly, it's like, it's like those early 90s excerpts of like surfing the web or like mid 90s rather like we're surfing the web and it's like whoa we're going to another website <laughs> oh my god or whatever oh oh that's another thing uh, it was originally the the time traveling booth was supposed to be a like 1968 van and then they were like Ooh. oh back to the future came out so everybody's gonna say that we ripped them off let's do a phone booth not realizing that doctor who was a thing and so they like i <laughs> thought that that was pretty funny too um yeah. The last thing I want to talk about is the princesses real quick, just real quick, because they're barely in the movie. We see them for five minutes and they're like, oh, we're supposed to marry these bad guys. And then they're like, oh, dudes, we'll save you. Right. And then they don't save them. But Rufus goes back and saves them. (laughs) And they're kind of like a trophy at the end. You know, so it's like, yeah, here's your prize. Yeah, so it's like, oh, here, here you go. And then the really shitty, like, you know, Rufus showed us this thing called the mall and these things called credit cards. And I was like, it's going to be a big (laughs) gag for me. I did like that they played instruments. So like the chick picked up the the drumsticks and I was like, fucking hell yeah, I'm here for this. Right. Because they're part of the band. But other than that, yeah, I thought that whole thing was weird and gross. And the princesses are never played by the same two actors in any of the films. So it's two different (laughs) actors for the first one, two different actors for the second one, and two different actors for the last one, who are also younger than they're supposed to be. So um, there's a lot of issues with that. But like, I don't understand how out of everybody, they are the actors that could not come back or or are so easily replaceable i thought that that was i mean super shitty it was shitty but i mean it's it to me i guess it because of the way women are treated generally in this movie it's just very like oh yeah they like the story doesn't care about the princesses they're really just there to be prizes and a subplot some sort of romantic subplot since bill and ted are straight in this world Mm -hmm. or not romantic with each other so I got to have some romance because whatever. And it's just let's throw these girls in there and then they're in there for maybe four minutes of screen time and then they're out. Get them out. Like it just. Uh, yeah, it's just. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. The, they were um, another little bit of trivia. So there were some other historical figures that were in the running for being in this movie. One uh-huh. of them was Amelia Earhart, who I would have loved to see. <gasps> um, oh. I, think, I think that would have been so great. Another one Same. was Babe Ruth. Also. So Napoleon was originally going to be Hitler. And then they were like, we can't make this. This is not going to be good if we have a cute, fun, lovable Hitler. But we need to change that. So at least they had the foresight for that. But um, that would be a very different movie. Yeah. (laughs) But Amelia Earhart would have been so sweet, I think. 
That would have been very sweet. I agree. Um, I do like the, my favorite line was strange things are afoot at the circle. K. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's such a, it's, it's so quintessential Keanu, just like strange things are afoot at the circle. K. Or like, it's just so like, he throws his, his wig like 15 times, cocking his <laughs> neck to the left and to the right and to the right. He's like doing a PlayStation 2 tech and cheat code with his neck. Strange <laughs> things are afoot. Like it's just, uh, it's so wacky and it was very good. And I love that line very much. We begin our most excellent sequel in 2020 San Dimas, California, where our dudes Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan find themselves at a creative, romantic, and autonomous impasse. Despite their best efforts, they still haven't written the song that unites the world and have become a joke in the process. Just when they're about to give up, Kelly, Rufus's daughter, shows up and informs them that if they don't write the song by 7.17 p.m. that evening, the world and time as we know it will end. Desperate... Bill and Ted attempt to go to the future and steal the song from their future selves, but by doing so end up sending their future selves down a violent and crime-filled path. Meanwhile, Billy and Thea, their daughters, have their own journey through time, collecting the world's best musicians to create a band to help their dads write the song that saves the world. Oops, they got killed and are in hell now. Whoops, so are Bill and Ted! Then they find death and get the band back together to head up to the surface, where it turns out the prophecy was about Billy and Thea all along. They compose music, and it's excellent, Excellent, dudes. 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 I, right off the bat, was completely in love with Billy and Thea, and I think that they did such a great job. I watched during, like, the Comic-Con stay at home. I watched a panel with them and Keanu and Winters and they were talking about how both of those actors had not watched Bill and Ted and did not know anything about it. And then when they got callbacks for it and everything, oh my God. And then they like yeah. sat down and watched it and they were like, holy shit. And they did a lot of, both of them did a lot of work on the mannerisms and like facial expressions and all of that. So like you see Billy kind of like move around and like do the thing. And it's very cute. Also very cute that they named their daughters after each other. I really, really, really thought that that was very sweet billy is ted's (laughs) daughter and thea is bill's daughter yeah i thought that that was just so cute and that like just the way that they inhabited those characters was just like they also were just incredibly kind people and they were truly like when their dads were all washed up and like nobody wanted to listen to them they were like yeah dude this sounded really great you know like they were just they were also very yes and without like putting them down you know and even when like they're talking to people and they're like like death is like but what about this they're like oh you know what that wasn't great but this other thing that you did was really great you know so they're just so they're they really inhabit that kindness and they are also allowed to be who they are they're about allowed to be themselves yeah and so yes they are bill and ted's daughters but they are billy and thea they are not bill and ted yeah but like you were saying just like the fact that they inhabit the same characteristics that their dads have and there's not only just like mannerisms but in the yes and and the adventure and the kindness and the empathy and the the obvious love for one another and just like 
everything about them. They were just great. They did such a good job. I liked their story a lot. Because, I mean, so Bill and Ted are having their whole, like, losing their relationships and trying to find the song. And they're jumping back in time. So they're trying to do this, like, they're they're just playing, like, time tag with their future and past selves and also the future and past versions of their wives. Which is fun because it's not the same story as we've seen before with Bill and Ted. However, mm-hmm. Billy and Thea are echoing essentially the first movie, but on their own journey. So instead of collecting historical figures of note for their presentation, they're collecting historical musicians of the past to create a band. But it's very similar in a fun way that it's just like we're seeing another version of the exact same story play out as the B-plot to bill and ted's kind of existential crises and even even in that process it's so good because like they it's it we're getting this a whole other shade like if you loved the first one their subplot is the best because you're getting fun play with new historical figures musicians and all of these new characters and stuff and implementing them and also interweaving them with each other when they all end up in hell and they they meet death, but Bill and Ted get back with death and they start the band together. Cause that actor is also, he is fucking great. The guy who plays death. Cause he was, <laughs> he's, he's so the, good. he's the cop in Roswell. He's also been like, he's been in just a ton of stuff, but he's a fantastic actor. And the character of death is very fun and funny and silly. Cause he's like death, but he's also like, kind of cowardly but charming and cute and kind of sweet but also very severe at times and it's just like so atypical of what you would assume death to be and i love that yeah it's just a very good character (laughs) yeah and billy and thea they're not trying to change the world they're not trying to like they're really just wanting to help their dads you know and they're like you know because they believe in them right and they're just like yeah, you know, I'm going to do it. I have the means to do this. I'm going to help them out. This is going to be awesome, you know. And yeah. like the reason that they're collecting these is to like, you know, is to help their dad. But it's also like they're collecting these excellent musicians. See what I did there? Out yeah. of this wonderful amount of like love and respect. And like, you know, there's this line that Grandpa uses to them where he's like, you guys are 24 and you don't have a job. And you just stay in the house and you listen to, to music. What what do you think? And it's like, OK, look, everybody that's 24 still lives with their parents because we can't afford to live on our own. Thanks for uh, being an asshole. You know, yeah. but like I love that they're just super content with that, that they're just like. Yeah, it's awesome. I do this. I listen to a lot of music. I know a lot of stuff, you know, and because they've developed that ear, they were able to to really pick some of the best of the best, even not just from like, you know, rock and roll or like modern music, like going all the way back to Linglin, like going back and like getting her and all this stuff. And it was it was also really lovely because because rather than just having like these wild like leaders it was these musicians that were inspired by each other. So like the moment when they see Jimi Hendrix, right? And he's like, yeah, whatever. But then they bring Louis Armstrong in and he's like, oh, hey, you know? And then they yeah. go and meet Bach. And then like seeing Bach meet her and then just like 
the way that they're all in awe of each other and that respect that they have for one another. And they're also like just so like, you know, Jimmy and Louie get it right off the bat where they're like, oh, time traveled. All right, cool. So they don't do that thing that movies do so often where they like downplay them or play them like they're, oh, they're not going to get this, right? And Kid Cudi is like the one that's like, oh, yeah. And then (laughs) the singularity and you do the thing and you do the thing and blah, 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 blah. And I love that like, it treated all of these characters like they're smart and like they're intelligent and like they're going to still have that yes and. And like, you know, a lot of that also comes from the honesty of Billy and Thea where they're just like, hey, yo, this is what's going on. You know, let's go save the world, you know. And it turns out I love that what they did with this is they made all of the dudes like Rufus and Bill and, and like the future. They all thought that it was Bill and Ted that were the people that unite the world or whatever, right? But not realizing that it's actually Billy and Thea. Like the moment, and this like is going back to Bill and Ted from like what we're saying with the last one, where when they're presented with new information, they're like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, like I feel like a lot of other characters in that moment would have like where they realize that it's not about them, it's about somebody else. They would be just really shitty or really sad or really whatever. But like, you know, because they spent their entire lives trying to write this one fucking song and couldn't do it. And then just all of a sudden, like, oh, dude, it's you guys. Oh, yeah. Here you go. You go. You do this. Like we we're we're here for you, you know, and I thought that was a really beautiful moment. And there's like so many moments where Bill and Ted are willing to sacrifice the song or willing to sacrifice all of time and space for their wives or for their children playing up their importance because, you know, they were kind of their wives or girlfriends, you know, were always just such a side plot to where they're willing to give up the entire universe just to be with them and just to save them. Yeah. And I think just reamplifying that specifically with the princesses when they're at the counseling and it's essentially like they, yeah. they cannot exist without one another. And so they constantly are like, like we, this, we believe this, we love you. And we also love you. And the counselor is essentially saying like, if you don't change, this could end. And then they're told that like their marriages could end. So when they leave and then at a certain point, they time travel back to that moment to come in and say like, we're going to be better. We're sorry. Like we thought about it. We listened. We heard you. And you're right. Everything you said was right. We're going to be better and we're going to change and we're going to be better for you because we don't want to ruin this from us being selfish. That's like, yeah, it's just, it's very, that's very Bill and Ted. Like, again, they listen, they're kind, they're considerate. And they also, there, there was that moment where they were like, you guys from the future are going to come back and you guys are going to try to take you on a, on a adventure to, and you're not going to be happy with this. Like, you know, and you know, so don't go, don't go because you don't need to see that. And then like, they were like, no, go see this for yourself. You know, know that, this is not who we are going to be. We are going to change. But they're rather than trying to like, they stop themselves from being like, no, 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 no. And they were like, no, you make your own decision. You do what you got to. But this is what we are going to do like, yeah. moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Which I loved. I love that kind of strength because that's not easy, but it's also the right thing to do and the kind thing. It's, it's, it's the thing. It's considerate. It's, it's honest. It's like, yeah, if I've been bad, I'm not going to restrict you from learning something new and making a choice for yourself. If I'm not right, that's okay. As hard as that is, that's okay. But that's a choice for you to make, not for me to control. 
I'm not here to control the yeah. image of myself. What I've done is what I've done, and that's who I am. And if you decide for yourself it doesn't work, then so be it. But what a good thing, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. It's just so it's yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the treatment of women a lot better in this than the last couple because <laughs> they actually got to be a part of the story and you know they were always a part of the story but never really got their spot or got their moment and so like they were more fleshed out especially billy and thea i still think that the princesses didn't have a lot going on no. but i still thought that it was sweet i thought it was cool and then i thought it was also cool that like i think there's like a line where they're like the kids are the ones that have to like clean up after the older generation. And that's true for both the future and for the present, right? Because yeah. the adults that are making decisions aren't thinking about anybody else, even though they're saying that they are. And so they're the ones that like, the only reason that everything is saved is because Kelly went back to save Bill and Ted. Billy and Thea went and took the time machine. They are the reason why everything is okay. Yeah, and I mean, even in the story itself, like Bill and Ted were blind to the idea that maybe it wasn't them who saved the world. Maybe it was these other people. So it's really, yeah, it is them having to clean up not only the present, but the future and having to fix the mistakes of the past, whether that's Mm -hmm. like time-wise or just generationally. Yeah, and like this whole movie is basically about like father-daughter relationships. Which was great. I really enjoyed like hearing just watching them interact and talk about music was really sweet. Like that scene I loved where they their song at the wedding was obviously trash and terrible, but their daughters are just like, honestly, your theremin playing was like so sick. And then the other daughter's like, yeah. And then when you did this, it reminded me of this very specific person who's really good at that instrument. And you rivaled that person's skill. Like you were so good. Like even though the song itself wasn't great, they're still like, like we've been saying yes. Anding in a very positive way, in a very reassuring way. Cause Bill and Ted know it sucked. Like you don't have to just like rub it in. We all know that it was bad. They're trying to see the good in it. And that goodness, that kindness is so sweet. Because again, it's just this echo chamber of kind characters. The daughters are perfect reflections of their fathers. And in this moment, it's just like this kind fest. I loved seeing it. I loved seeing them interact. It was just so sweet. Kind fest 2020. Kind fest 2020. Um, I do. I'm super into talking about that robot because I love, I didn't realize who the robot was, the actor, and I think he's a fantastic actor. Who is Um, it? His name's Anthony Kerrigan. So did you ever watch Barry on HBO? uh Uh-uh. So it's like Henry Winkler and um, Bill Hader. Oh! okay yeah so he's the lead but um this (laughs) this guy anthony kerrigan plays like the third lead in the show and he i've never seen him in anything else and he is an absolute standout he's so funny his character is so specific and so emotionally nuanced but like the perfect character in that show and so in this movie when the character starts gaining sentience and like with the sentience is immediately nervous and self-deprecating and kind of like sad and 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 unsure like all of those things i was like this character this is a really fun character like i like the character choice and i was like this is really well acted and then i was like oh of course it's that guy that guy's so good he's so good at playing like <laughs> kind of sad fun optimistic but at the same time very downtrodden characters it was great yeah i like him it's weird cuz my interpretation of that character was that he's like 
the shitty person that does something bad just because he's told to and then centers himself in the apology so by by centering themselves all the time and by like being like i'm so sorry i i'm dennis i i am this like he's like not actually saying sorry and not actually uh, like he's just trying to admit himself of guilt uh yeah well no because yeah he was absolutely 100 percent. but i think that was like part of the intention because he's ignored the entire time like even when they're walking up the stairs he's like well, i'm dennis they're like okay great yep and he's like but i'm dennis mccoy they're like yep your name is dennis whatever mccoy and you're this and cool we're gonna move on are you done <laughs> like the only time i've ever really seen either bill or ted frustrated or even kind of sarcastic is when they're interacting with this bad character for the reasons that you've explained just this is a bad, a murderous character who then, instead of atoning or apologizing or trying to be better, victimizes themselves to center the story and center the conversation around themselves. But I liked seeing the appropriate reactions of characters who we thus far only see as kind, empathetic, lovely, sweet, to then get slightly frustrated in a way that feels unfamiliar with this obviously bad character reacting in a way that feels appropriate yeah i thought that that was really really good and um and really appropriate because i think if they were just kind of like you know because they did do the normal like okay well we're moving on right and then this person like this robot that does not want to move away from this because he's still centering himself because oh my god oh my god oh my god you know so to see them get frustrated and be like okay and still a very kind way you know like (laughs) i it was brilliant. Yeah. Also kind the for the fact response. that he just killed them and their daughters. <laughs> Fucking right. You know what I mean? Because then, then even later when they get in the SWAT car to uh, return to the surface because death is bringing them back, they intentionally try to leave him behind. <laughs> like they absolutely <laughs> ditch him in hell. And then he just hear a bang on the door and they're like, oh no. And he opens it, He's like, oh, I must have gotten behind there for a sec. I, I'm going to just get in here now. And they're like, cool. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Yep. I'm Dennis. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. Dennis. Like, yep. Yes, he is. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and that is the correct response, right? Is to not engage yeah. and, to, and to just be like, yes, you are. And like, yeah, yeah like, you know, just be like, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's that to yeah. me, like it was I liked his character. Just the acting choices themselves were just like so desperate and kind of sad that I really enjoyed. But within the story, I was like, oh, yeah. Like these people are reacting to this bad person the right way, which I I liked and appreciated. I did too. I thought that was really great. I also, I thought it was really great that even though Ted's dad didn't necessarily, like he should have believed his son and all this other stuff. I liked that we got that closure where he's like, oh my gosh, you were right. I messed up. I should have believed you this whole time. I'm really sorry. Like we got that like kind of like heartfelt apology you know, yeah. and I thought that that was a really nice touch because it, it wasn't like a big giant moment, but it was enough to know like there's a lot of weight that is behind this moment. And like I felt like what he said was perfect, was great. And then he moved on. Right. The story moved on. Unlike Dennis, again, who's just like, you guys, <laughs> you guys. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> Pay attention so, to me. So yeah. like the difference I mean, in those apologies. 
relatively i know that the moment with his dad was like supposed to be heartfelt but i still hate his dad i still think his dad's a piece of his shit his dad sucks still so yeah. after all of that like toxicness and like this entire life it's just like now i believe you because i had to experience myself like or you can just listen to your fucking kid you absolute trash can instead of right. wasting 50 years of your life because you're a stubborn fucking toxic dude like I still think his dad sucks. So like, even though they've his mended dad. their friendship in the story, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Great. You got your emotional arc. We're done. Like, I don't, I don't need any more from you. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I liked that. It was just like, it was a minute of screen time and it yeah. wasn't like the big, I also liked that that wasn't the end. Like, son, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I liked that. It was just like a little thing that was slipped in there and that wasn't drawn out and that they didn't make it into like a bigger thing that it was. It was just yeah. there. It happened. It was done. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I hated him, but I like that. I also love yeah. the um, product placement in this film. For Guitar Center? Well, that very big <laughs> glaring obvious like, oh, no. But like, I think there was like a very clear Pepsi one. There was another one that I don't quite remember but it was like when they're all piled up on the freeway the only two visible signs that you can see are a pepsi truck and a guitar center truck and they're like we're stuck on this freeway how are we ever gonna create the song that saves the world wait <laughs> look <laughs> they've got instruments and then they just like raid the guitar center truck and set up a whole like stage because it's probably got lights too and it's just like way to go guitar center cool <laughs> <laughs> which whatever i think their budget for such a big movie was really small generally so i'm not like surprised i'm sure guitar center probably gave him like a couple million for that kind yeah. of advertising yeah guitar center saved the world <laughs> i don't know um it was but cute. not with their prices <laughs> no 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 um i i the ending i thought was it was cool it was fun I like that the princesses decided to be with them because they like went to every other version of, of time in history and met every other version of Bill and Ted. And they're like, no, this is the right one. You're the right ones. We want to be here with you. And again, it was like letting them go and decide for themselves. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, I thought that was very, it was just very good. And that being like one of the moments at the end when they like come back and they're setting up the music and stuff. And it's like, we want to stay here. It's like, oh, yay. Yeah. And it was it was their choice, too, because, you know, I think that that was incredibly important. And again, that they didn't try to manipulate. They didn't try to. They were just like, this is what we've seen. You go figure it out for yourself and then we'll yeah. we'll come back. You know, yeah. Um. I thought that the solution was really good. I thought it was really great that Bill and Ted like finally were able to admit they didn't have the song. They didn't know what to do. And their kids stepped up to the plate rather than be like, I mean, there was like a moment where they're like, wait, but I just listen to music. And they're like, yeah, dude, but you know how to put it together. You know, you do this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. All right, cool. So they just went up and they fucking did it without even thinking about it without like, you know, they were just so intelligent and so smart in the way that they put everything together. And I, I loved seeing them just be like, yeah, all right, we're going to go. We're going to fucking do this. We're going to own it. And they they did a great job. 100%. They, they never waited for somebody to tell them what to do or how to do it. They just decided to try something and went with it and went and did it. They're like, we can help our dads by 
getting a band together. How do we get a band? Oh, let's time travel. Like, let's go get the best whatever. And then even them setting up the stage at the end, they're setting up the instruments and everything just because they're running out of time. They don't know that they're in charge of the music. They don't know they're the ones to write the song. They're just doing it because on their own volition, they want to make sure things get done and they're they're not waiting for anybody to tell them what to do or how to do it. I want to talk about how Bill and Ted let this idea or this prophecy kind of rule their lives to the point to where they're unable to do anything else. I mean, if somebody tells you that your song is going to unite the entire world, like you're not going to be able to do anything but that. But by taking that so seriously too, like that takes away creativity because then there's this like huge amount of pressure. And then, you know, I'm sure that they're feeling a lot of like imposter syndrome and all of this, you know, and it's like the harder that they try, the further away they get from uniting everybody. And in fact, everybody just kind of turns on them. So I thought that that was I thought that was a really smart choice. Yeah, in like I think what so. it's saying I, about I, like creativity. Yeah, I agree. I think I I also, I also thought that was cool. Um, I think what sorry I was I was trailing off. I what I I don't know how to articulate this because I go back and forth on this idea. So initially, when watching this, I was hoping that they would have addressed in some form or another like the use of the F word in the first two. Because mm-hmm. I thought what would have been cute is put a little hat on it and like correct it in this one. Because it's obviously what's done mm-hmm. is done. It's happened. Like it's a thing. But I was hoping that that would have been there. But then at the same time, like is putting a hat on it, calling attention to it and thereby giving it more of a shout out. And at that right. point, is that doing more damage than it's doing good? So I'm not sure. But um, sorry, I was uh, in another world thinking about that going back and forth in my head about yes or no on that um i haven't decided yeah. either way <laughs> um yeah no i hear what you're saying about like would it have been better for them to address that i don't know i don't know what the answer is yeah but um Me but i do see what you're saying <laughs> and yeah would it be more harmful to call it out or would it be more restorative i i don't know yeah, that's the thing is it's it's like I, I was hoping to see something like that, but because I didn't get it, am I wishing that it was there just because I had anticipated something like that, even if it was not necessarily the right thing to do? Or like I just I just don't know. But again, it's not like I guess it's only impacting me in this way just because I'm like it was unexpected and I'm like, eh, I also that word is just like bad in general. Um right. but I don't know and therefore cannot answer that <laughs> anyways <laughs> necessary i guess um, so i'm so goofy dave girl's cameo was silly <laughs> that whole thing okay so i i wrote down specifically like the amount of times that they go back to like try to find themselves right so, or yeah. like steal the song from them right and how things get worse and worse and worse so like the mm-hmm. first one was when they were trying to steal from themselves right and they're just like they didn't write the song or whatever and they're like 
blaming them for stuff. And so like, so they're blaming themselves in the past, which is something that they continue to do. So like then the second time they're trying to sabotage themselves with like, you know, your wives aren't happy and they left you and super, super being assholes about it. Right. And then the next time they're like, you know, they have their silly ass English accents and like, oh so, my gosh. And they're like, oh, I like, I like this me, you know? And I think that that is the real turning point for them because that's when they were breaking and entering to try to impress themselves, right? And then they also decided that they were going to steal a song from Dave Grohl and then also pull a gun on themselves, you know, because it's (laughs) so like the... The desperation that, like, you know, they they became alcoholics, then they turned to this, then they turned to this, and they're blaming Bill and Ted, like, you know, their past selves for losing their wives and for their kids not being able to talk to them and everything. And so because they can't blame, they're unable to reconcile the fact that it is them at this present time that is doing that so they have to go back to like oh well these these are the people this i am not that same person yeah so i thought that that was super interesting and then it like goes to like them in prison and then it goes to like finally to them on their deathbeds essentially and they're sitting there and the conversations that they have with each other i thought were really interesting because like bill is looking at himself like as an older man and saying thank you for always being here for me you know like and in this moment of like self-kindness and like awareness of like you know i could always count on you like talking to himself and i thought that that was fucking awesome and then ted looks at himself and he is like I feel like I don't know you because I never opened up to you, you know, so he's never allowed himself to like really dig deep and to see what's in there and to like know himself. And I, a lot of that probably because of the trauma that he experienced as a, as a young man from his father, you know? Um, so that was like a surprisingly deep moment that like I remember having to pause and being like, wow, that was fucking good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, those scenes specifically, like just on this existential journey that they are experiencing, I thought just the setup of that, like the conversation with their bigger, like their bad selves of them blaming these other versions of themselves and not being able to accept the fact that it is them in this timeline doing this bad thing as a way to sort of acknowledge their own personal struggle, Bill and Ted in the current reality with this idea of inauthenticity or, 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 or trying to be somebody that they're not. And to me, that echoed back to those small moments of like inauthenticity in the first one where like, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. clear that they did something that was maybe uncomfortable or whatever. And so we're seeing that kind of actualized in these bad versions of themselves. And then even at the end, just thanking themselves for the kindness that they gave to themselves and the opportunity to not only be good, but to be good to each other, I guess. It was like somebody just took the phrase, be excellent to each other, and then created a scene around the idea of being excellent to yourself. You know? Yeah. Oh, I love it like, that. <laughs> it was like they, he was just saying, thank you for allowing the space for me to be excellent to myself and to give myself the love that maybe I didn't have elsewhere or maybe at one point I didn't have for myself, but I allowed myself the space to grow and to cultivate that kind of love and goodness and thank you. 
just like that yeah it was it was very sweet it was very it was very good that was a really good scene yeah because i feel like at that moment they were able to like really appreciate them and appreciate them for being who they are you know because self-love like as as many instagram stories or whatever talk about it right it's really hard to practice and it's really hard to trust yourself and it's really hard to like be kind to yourself like i'm always trying to think about like what the fuck have i done that's like nice you know like i'm i try to be nice to everybody else but my inner monologue is so fucked up you know or something like that and so it's like seeing them acknowledge that and be like that's cool you know and also seeing that you can hide from yourself you know and like acknowledge that like i don't even know you i don't know who i am because i never allowed myself to open up to even not even anybody but even to myself you know so um and and the difference between those two characters and again like looking at their fathers or looking at like where they grew up and all of that like how even like because they've obviously had like lived a good life together they have the best friend they have the wife you know who's presumably also awesome and great daughters and all this but like you can have all of that and you can still not be completely true to yourself or you can still be hiding different parts of yourself from you yeah i uh, because you know it's it can be really terrifying especially when there is some sort of trauma the more that i think about that um the more impressed I am with that conversation, I think. Well, also just having that little moment of seeing the princesses in their old age running outside into the phone booth and like leaving, which essentially instigates the entirety of that existential crises storyline. But then Mm -hmm. in this space, they don't see the princesses. So it's assumed that they maybe don't have them or I guess they, they see them in pictures. Yeah. I don't know. I forget if like they, they know that the princesses (laughs) are there, but knowing that the princesses were there and they've lived this long, lovely life together. And even at the end of the day, they all still work as a team in order to make sure that they go on this journey at the end of their life. The princesses have to go to the therapy session in this day for them to look, you know, that like that whole thing. So it's understood to get to where they need to be. They have to work together in this way. And also the princesses are sick. Because if that's like at the end of their age and they're the ones being like, you have to go on this journey. We know that we have to be a part of it. Cool. We're going to scoot and we'll see you in the past. And also we'll see you at these other places and we'll be back. Cool. Thank you. And you're like, ah, yay, yeah. people. That's good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I think that this movie was just overall really great and really pleasant here in 2020. Yeah. It was a really great escape. And by the end, when they're like playing that song and everything, I was like crying and I'm like, yeah, we're all in this together. And this is about everybody. (laughs) And we're going to we're going to win. And it doesn't matter how bad like, you know, and I it was a much needed breath of fresh air and like cute little moment of like hope and remembrance of like just like friendship and kindness. And (sighs) this is the movie that. 2020 needed it's not like super deep it's not all this other stuff but it man it was a delight it's yeah it's a delight it's a nice it's a nice fun movie just to experience it's not wow what filmmaking and what storytelling and what like it's it's the the everything about it's fair and fine and good but it is really it feels like a momentary palate cleanser for the current reality. So it was a nice escape and it was a nice movie. All the new characters were great. All of the old characters were great, except their dads. Their dads suck. 
But it was really just Always. the one dad. Oh, and then the little brother who is now dating Missy, but that was a whole thing and like married. Sorry, she's married again. We <sighs> like ugh. And she's like she's still the butt of the joke. Like yeah. she's one of the things that I was like, okay, you had a chance to write this. And I feel like a lot of the things that I thought could have been improved were improved. You know, there were more people of color in this rather than just entering a lot of old white dudes, right? I, I feel like there was a lot, there was a little bit more representation at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I really had to say about this. They were delightful. It was great to revisit these characters. It was great to see them be old and still be those people that were just so quick to change their opinion when presented with new information. Yeah, which that 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 they that they uh, maintain that characteristic. That was nice because okay, I mean, yeah. oftentimes there is an expectation that like as you age, the more conservative or rooted in your belief system you are but it's nice to know that these characters who we've known as being contemplative being open being good in these ways maintain those characteristics about themselves it was just nice and that them not being or them being rigid wasn't a part of the story also it was young women that saved the day and they saved the day by being rebellious and by taking initiative and by just trying to be good people and be helpful and were still able to hold their own and not just be, you know, shadows of their fathers or, you know, they they were fully they were full characters, which was which is great. Women save the world. Young women save the world, everybody. Young women save the world. This is the conclusion of our Where podcast. Where we say our feelings about these movies. Yes. In conclusion, Eric Lafibri, yeah. what did you think of the original Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Uh, who did you think it was for? Sorry. <laughs> I think it was, I mean, it's just going to be a very general teenager's I think I'm going to be very pragmatic and just say what I actually think and not make a joke because I'm not funny today. Um, No, it is for teenagers. It was very like, takes place at the mall and the water park. And it's like, oh man, class sucks. I hate history. JK, let's go in history. What? Shakespeare was the first rapper. Can you believe it? Um, It was like that kind of tone (laughs) the whole time. So to me, I was like, oh, this is like perfect for teenagers. It's like, I hate school. I want to surf or whatever and music, all that. Yes, teenagers. Who do you think it was for? I hella think that it was also for teenagers because it was like super empowering and the way that they were able to talk about history and be like, yo, and then this dude was super tight. Like, yeah. so I, yeah. I think it was like a kind of like an empowering thing like you know like you can be whoever you are and it is super fun all you gotta do is be excellent dude like i don't know yeah i <laughs> i love this movie <laughs> they were cool it was honestly it was just a glorified circle cake commercial oh hell yeah when they're asking people for like history facts outside of the circle k i was like fuck yeah <laughs> it's so funny did you like it eric i did like it to me, it's not a full-blown love, but I did like it. 
I'd never seen it before yesterday. I enjoyed myself. I thought it was very fun. I liked it. Did you like it? I love this movie. I had a great time. Um, if I need a feel-good movie, it'll be like Karate Kid and this, you know? Like, Ooh, yeah, that's a good pairing. It's just, it was so good. And <laughs> even though like overlooking the treatment of women and all the other things that we talked about about it, like, I just love a good friendship movie. I love seeing people be so kind to each other and be so like, yes, and. And I'm like, this is the friend that I always wanted, especially when I was in high school going through all this shit. Like, I want this to exist, you know, or this 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 type of connection to exist. And I'm just happy that I got to witness it. Just then, when they smile at each other, it's just so cute. Like, and, yeah. you know, just being just so sweet to each other, just like, yeah, and also seeing, like, two dudes be able to do that together, too, was just, like, super great, you know? Like, yeah, I I loved it. What did you think of the new one, of Face the Music? Is this new or interesting or the same progressive regressive? Has I thought, it evolved with today's ideas? I I thought it was new and interesting, relatively speaking, because for the most part, it's, like, the same story, but I like the inclusion of the daughters. I like the sort of self-reflective existentialism. I thought it was great. I thought it was new and interesting. And I thought it was, I wouldn't necessarily say progressive because I don't think that the last one was necessarily regressive. Maybe just in its portrayals of women, it did a better job. Yeah. I think it was both new and interesting and the same. And like, yeah. so it's weird to like inhabit all of those, right? But like, what I liked, like you you pointed it out earlier when you were talking about Bill and Ted being like they're on this new journey where they like, you know, it's called Face the Music and it's like they have to reckon with who they are and with where they are in life and with how they got there and really face themselves in a way like quite literally face themselves right in a way that they haven't had to before and also face their like face head on their failures right which is hard for anybody um yeah. so um i thought that that was a really great way to take the story without making it just like cool and now our daughters are here right because then the the way that the daughters are inhabiting the story is they're trying to help with them you know and they're like you said they're essentially going on that same kind of journey where they're trying to find people to help their dads with their music report right <laughs> you know yeah, um, yeah yeah and in that sense it was just it was really great because in the ways that bill and ted were ignorant of the people that they were going to pick up and learned along the way these young women knew these people and intentionally sought out the best of the best so to see them be so excited about meeting Jimi Hendrix or about meeting Mozart or, you know, like all of these, like to see that they were handpicked, not because they're in a history book, but because to these women, they had that choice, right? They could have gone anywhere and picked any anyone. So that's another way that this film really inhabited or allowed women to make choices, you know, choices as to whether yeah. or not the the princesses were going to stay with Bill and Ted and choices as to who they who they believe is the best of the best and who if tasked with it could write the best song and also um, work with others too, right? Because that's another another dy dynamic to this, right? So I thought that that was a really great way to tell kind of that same journey, but to tell it in a different 
newer way, you know, where oh, yeah. it's more intentional. And I also really liked the the way that they retconned, or not retconned, but like, yeah, I guess retconned, but like they chose to center women and make young women specifically the ones that saved the world. And I thought that was really interesting because so often women's contributions to history and to society are erased entirely, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. and we only get the accounts of, again, the victors or the people in power or things like that. And all other records are like kind of like purged, you know. So like, we don't know a lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I thought that that was really interesting that even in the future, that's still happening, because even with this time travel technology and even with all of that, Bill and Ted are the ones that are being idolized by the people of 700 years into the future when it really wasn't Bill and Ted. It was the daughters. And so that's another way that uh, we're seeing patriarchy kind of play out 700 years into the future, right? Where it is assumed that these two last names are going to be these men. So very interesting um, when you kind of like dig into some of that bigger stuff. But yeah, um, so I thought it was I thought it was progressive in those ways and in maybe ways that it didn't intend. And I thought that it just really did evolve in a nice way. I, I fully agree. You you tripped something in my thought process about intention of influence. That that was like not it wasn't really a through line, but it was like more of just casually there. So like when we're seeing the daughters specifically them obviously having been influenced by their dads to the point where they're very much a version of their dad. But within the kindness, within the empathy, we're seeing all of those very intentional things taught to their daughters. But then when they go back with the intent of like getting these musicians, there's a, a, a fluency of influence where like in order to get Hendrix to say yes, they know Hendrix was influenced by Armstrong. So that's their like, oh, we know this. We're going to use this as a way to like get this person excited about it. Like, I don't know. There was just, I, I, there was a, a level of intelligence and autonomy within that, that i liked a lot. I thought that was really great. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. In the same way, like, yes, they, you know, they're their father's children. They have some of the same mannerisms and yeah, they like music, but they like it in a different way where they don't play it. They appreciate it. And they, yes. you know, they have their own, tastes and their own styles and their own like their own thoughts and opinions about this subject so i thought that that was a really cool way to show nuance to something as big as music where it's like either like you like it or you don't or whatever you know there's so much nuance in music right and so i liked the way that they decided to build these characters was entirely on preference and choice in what kind of music they liked and what musicians that they liked and then who they were going to be choosing to. So so allowing them to have that much choice and that much freedom in who they are, I thought was really cool. Yeah. That's a good yeah. movie. <laughs> um who do you think this was for? Guitar Center. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar Center is a scam. JK LOL, I bought my drum set there. Uh I think that this was for Bill and Ted. I think this was for Keanu and Winters and just the van. Like so one of the things that's cool in the way that they decided to bring this back 
And one of the reasons why I back this movie and movies and, and stories that do this, we talked about this a little bit in our Rockwell's Modern Life episode. They brought them back and they brought them back in a way that's critical, you know, or in a way that they're like kind yeah. of writing, like choosing to write some of the things that maybe they skipped over. And so they're again, like they, they made this movie about their choices and about the women in their lives where again, that wasn't a thing before. So I think, you know, I think they also just wanted because life is rough and it has been incredibly rough with this presidency. So like, you know, just being yeah. like, you know what? Everybody needs a break. Everybody needs to smile. Let's remember this and let's vote in November, you know? Yeah, like, right. It, 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 just it to was, give us a break. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a palate cleanser. Very just like a cleansing of sad. Just like it, it, just a moment, like a, a vehicle for for happiness for joy for in in whatever infancy it is it's just this level of kind of jovial nostalgia and funness that just existed for so many people with the first one so seeing this at this time was for a lot of people who connected with this property in um the ways that they did it was just such a nice it's like taking a shower with a waterfall (laughs) And it's also really nice to watch something where everybody attached to it or at least, you know, like Keanu Reeves a thousand percent is that person that's really like he's so he's known for his kindness. He's known for all of this. But like in every interview, when people try to talk to him, be like, what did you think about this? He like he chooses to not center himself. You know, it's it's nice to have somebody or talk about work from somebody that is so intentional in you know even the way that they are interviewed or the way that they talk about the work that they do yeah there's an egolessness to Keanu that I think is really impressive from from everything that I've read about him he seems so incredibly uh gentle and egoless he really like it's it just seems like he's just like yeah I'm just a person who's an actor and that's it Keanu if you're listening um I don't know. Let's like watch a movie or something. Let's just chill. <laughs> I'll make the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, did you like it? I know we already covered this slightly. I did. I did like it. Yeah, I liked this. I actually had to watch it twice because the first time I watched it and took my notes, I was um, I had a couple of beverages and then I watched it again Um and yeah, it was good. It was it was cute. I didn't love it as much as I loved the first one, just because I think they're just yeah. so incredibly charming. And, and I think that there's some sort of magic that the first one has that this one doesn't have. But I, I liked a lot of of what they did. So yeah, I'll watch this. I'll watch this again. Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we love you so much. Um, you can... Find us on all social media. Tell your friends to listen and do the rate and subscribe thing. We yes. love to know if we're doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> we love uh, the this- attention, so please give us plenty. Yeah. Um, also, you can write into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com or on any of those social things. Just talk to us hi we want to hear from you let us know what you want us to do because like sometimes we're like i don't know what what we should do so (laughs) if you have a suggestion like for real though just like throw it out we'd love to we'd love to hear it Um, yeah anyways we'd like to thank danny barkley for editing our podcast and uh thank you eric 
Thank you, Jess. I love doing this podcast. Me too. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye-bye. 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 Thank bye-bye. you for everything. Uh, thank you for Be everything. excellent. And party on, dudes. Pa- party on, dudes.